Lord, to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We got to go up to our daughter's house because our great-granddaughter and our granddaughter, our 30-year-old, almost 31-year-old granddaughter, is moving to Oregon. And I don't know if we'll ever see them again. I'm not planning on going to Oregon. <laughs> so, but they'll, have, they'll come down and visit their mom, I'm sure. Of course, I'll probably, yeah, I think they're coming down for their wedding, and I will probably be doing it, so I'll see them then. But that was the only way I could get Grandpa up there to go up there. And it was fun. We had a good time. Our daughter gave all the, she had all her, her two boys there, and of course you've seen one of their two boys is this big, and her husband and the other one, and their her granddaughter, one of those uh, Nerf guns that shoot these little dart things. So they had a fight in the morning, and everybody's running around shooting everybody. And I'm like, can you talk about chaos? <laughs> the dogs were going crazy. I'm going, oh. What's this? Hide me, mommy, hide me. <laughs> but it was fun. You know, it's fun trying to be a kid again. I know I'm a long way past kid, and I vaguely remember what it was like. But it was fun. And I hope you had fun with your family, and hope you had an opportunity to visit with them or at least talk to them. Because Christmas is more than anything else, it's about family. Jesus died for us, and that's the number one reason we celebrate Christmas, but family is important, and we need to understand that, and as you get older and you start losing family members, then you realize how important it really is, and so, but we're looking to a new year, and I tell everybody, I'm not going to say next year's going to be better, because this was a terrible year, because every time I don't think it can get worse, it does. So I'm not saying anymore. <laughs> I'm saying good riddance to this year and hallelujah for a new one. Amen? And uh, the new year has great opportunities for all of us, and we need to go into it with the idea of that. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we go through the seasons and the years and all that because every day is a new opportunity, and I'm thankful for that. Now, some news magazines, I don't know, we don't have a lot of magazines anymore because everything's on the Internet, but some magazines put out a, a year-end issue of all the important things that happened or made news during that year. And some magazines even include predictions of what they think is going to happen in the year to come. Now, sometimes they're pretty good, but sometimes they miss it by a long way. Of course, when I was growing up, it was always this Jeannie Dixon that used to make these prophecies of what's going to happen. And, you know, they ought to take her out and stone her because the prophecies don't come true. That's what the Bible says we're supposed to do to prophets. We stone them. So she should have been stoned a long time ago because, you know, she's just about as accurate as I was. And I didn't say predict them. I just said if I'm reading this correctly, this is what I think is going to happen. And I've been pretty accurate. Because if you put your trust in God's word, you can be a little more accurate. And I don't care what people say, God's word is true, and what he says is going to happen is going to happen. Amen. We have that, that. If you can't depend on anything else, we can depend on that. Do I have my, my on?
And he wants one of these at home. <laughs> so he can turn me off. <laughs> but I'm thankful that I can trust in God's word. And I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to get worried about what's going on in the news. Whether somebody's bombing somebody or not bombing somebody. I don't have to worry about North Korea. I'm not worried about that. Because God said this world is going to be here till he comes. So don't worry about it. And no matter what anybody else says or does, God's word is going to come true. So don't worry about all that stuff. And if it does happen that we, we get killed, so what? We go to heaven. What's the downside? No more bills. No more working. Uh, no more pain. No more excess weight we cart around. So what's the downside? So why do we worry about that stuff? Because God has only good things for us in the future. Now, I don't know about this life. I'll tell you when I get up in the morning try to move, I wonder what the good is. <laughs> but I earned every ache and pain that I have. And for all you young people that are here, which aren't very many of you, when you get older, when you hit about 50 or 55, everything that you hurt when you thought you were invulnerable is going to all of a sudden stick up its ugly head and say, ha, 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 ha. And you're going to go, oh, man, what happened to me? What happened to me? You got older. That's what happened. <laughs> and people say, oh, well, God can do this. Yeah, God can. But sometimes he let things happen, so we have to depend on him. If I was in perfect health all the time, I would might say, what do I need God for? And you might do the same thing. I don't think I would, but I might. And I don't want to take any chances. So I'll suffer through the aches and pains that I have to suffer through because I know one day they're going to be gone. Hallelujah! Now, when I go to the doctors and the doctors tell me how good a shape I'm in for the shape I'm in, they can't believe it. And I say, well, it's God. I'm held together with bailing wire and metal, but hey, um, I'm functioning. So no matter how bad you think your life is, it could be worse. And they say, cheer up, it could be worse, so I'm not taking any chances, right? But in 1967, experts, now that, that's kind of my era, they predicted that we would, technology would be to the point that we'd only be working 22 hours a day and 27 hours a week. And a day and 27 weeks a year, I'm sorry. That math didn't add up. Now, are any of you working that schedule? I don't think so. You know? Because they can't predict that. They think technology was so great. I figured by now we'd have flying cars. I remember when they used to tell me when I was a younger and in high school that loaf of bread was going to be $2. And I thought, oh, man, that's a lot of money. And it is. When bread was like 10 cents a loaf, and they're talking $2 a loaf, what is it now for a good bread? $3 a loaf? $4 a loaf? I'm going, man, this is ridiculous. And I thought, there isn't no way that's going to happen. Guess what? It happened. But the other predictions hasn't happened. We don't have flying cars or beam me up, Scotty. That's sort of like, beam me up, Scotty, and while you're there, get rid of the other bad parts. You know, reconfigure this stuff. Wouldn't that be nice? 
Beam me up, Scotty, and take out all the bad stuff and put in the good stuff. That'd be okay. Anybody wouldn't, would not like that? I'm first one in line, so if you're ahead of me, get out of my way. You want to see how fast I can move? I'll move really fast. <laughs> so that really missed the mark. And in fact, today, people seem busier than ever, don't they? We have so many uh, modern conveniences, and yet we have less time. We have microwaves, and we have crock pots, and we hardly have a lot of cooking preparation, so we seem like we should have more time. But we don't, do we? Because our days seem to be filled with more stuff to do. And you run into somebody, and they're always on a hurry to get somewhere. So some days you don't know whether you're going or you're coming. You run into yourself at the front door and you don't know. Am I going or am I coming? Let's see, I got the keys in my hands. But that was that to go out or to come in? You know, because we're so busy. And that's the way our lives are. So the predictions, nobody can predict with accuracy anything. The only one that can is God. And everything he says will come true. Now, I like some of the predictions for the future, but some of them I don't like. Because it seems like the more time we have on our hands, we fill it up with the wrong things, don't we? And uh, I don't like that idea. I like having a lot of time, you know, quick meals. Like I said, I used to say, I'm the queen of quick meals. I can throw something together fast. I'm I'm a fast meal cooker. You, You know, this slow stuff, I don't like. I don't like this all day cooking. And I, you know, I like people that can do that and love doing that, and I love eating it. But I don't like doing it. You know, Thanksgiving about done me in, and I, and we bought everything at the store. It was pre-cooked, and it's still about done me in. Putting it on the table, getting all the plates out, and all the other kind of stuff, and about done me in because I'm old now. Huh, Grandma, it ain't nice when we get older, is it? It's harder. <laughs> Things I used to do and not even think about it. Now I think about. So, but the question is, will we make better use of our time next year? We won't unless we plan to. We can't just let the year come to us. We have to go to it. You want to get something done, you want to do something, you have to plan. Without a plan, you plan to fail. Prior planning prevents poor performance. I was in quality all my life, or most of my adult life, and little things mattered. And our tolerant zones were important. They were put there so the thing wouldn't blow up before it's supposed to. So I'm used to that, you know, I'm used to that kind of stuff, so I have a hard time with just not looking at stuff. I go to somebody's house and I'll notice the only crack in the ceiling there is because I'm drawn to the negative. But that was good at my job because I always found the bad one. I could dig into a, a, a pallet of inflators and the, first, the one I pick up would be the bad one. If there's a bad one in the lot, I'd pick it up. So they liked me for that because we weren't sending bad ones out, obviously. You don't want bad inflators in your car, do you? We don't want them exploding when they're not supposed to. So we need to be looking forward to the future with anticipation, not dread. When you look back at this year, is it dread? And because of that dread, will we not anticipate the new year? See, because a lot of things that we do or we have, whether good or bad, 
is what we expect. If we expect something to be bad, it will be. So we need to have a positive outlook on life. And with God in our life, God is positive. God is the God of yay and amen. Hallelujah. He says maybe, and he says no, because he knows what's good for us and what isn't. But that's okay. He's God. And we have to be able to allow him to be God so we can be what he wants us to be. And when we do that, whether the good things happen or the bad things happen, it won't matter because God will help us get through them either way. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Now you're going to, I don't, didn't forgot to do this. I was at practice, so I didn't put them up there. So we'll be in Ephesians 5 and Psalm 90, Psalm 39, John 10, 10, 10 and what else? That's Luke 10, 40. So if you want to write them down really, really, really fast and look them up, you're okay. <laughs> but I'll, I'll give you scriptures when we get there. But anyway, John 5, 15 to 17 says, so be careful how you live. Live as men who are wise and not foolish. Make the best use of your time. These are sinful days. Do not be foolish. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now Jesus was saying these are sinful days back then. Man, all, things are a lot worse today, aren't they? We have more time to sin and better ways to do it. There's a lot of sinning going online today with the things that people look at. And it's a big problem, and it's destroying families and destroying lives. Amen. So, you know, it, it's like anything. It's a tool. If you use the Internet it's a, for the good things that it can do for your life and how it betters your life, that's great. But there's also the flip side of that for all the other things that are available there, things that we don't want our kids looking at. And parents, if you let your kids have a commuter in their room, shame on you. Because you do not know what they're looking at. You need to have it out there where you can watch them, and you need to monitor what they're, what they're doing on the Internet. Put whatever you can on controls on your Internet so they can't go to sites that you don't want them to see. Because I guarantee you that if you don't, they're going to get a hold of somebody, or somebody's going to get a hold of them, and they're going to start doing things you don't approve of. Or they're going to tell them how wonderful they are, next thing you know, they're meeting them somewhere. That happens so many times in this world. Now, I pray and hope that none of that happened to you. But we have to plan for those things. Parents never thought. They just think, well, I'm just trying to be a good parent. I don't want my kids to hate me. Well, it's your job for them to hate you at this time in their lives. It's your job. If your parents want to be, if you want to be your friend to your kid, shame on you. God didn't call you to be their friend. He called you to be their parent. And that's the hardest job you're going to have. When they get about 30 years old, then you can be their friend. But while they're in your home, under your roof, and growing up, you aren't called to be their friend. You're called to be their parent. And if they don't tell you they hate you, you need to try harder. People think, well, that hurts. I know it hurts. I hurts. My kids told me they hated me. They don't now, they like me now, most of the time. But that's the reality of the world we live in. We have to make sure and monitor what our kids are doing, especially as things get worse and worse in our society. Now, Paul gives us some important lessons in these verses, and the first one is that our time is limited. Psalm 90.10 says, The days of our life are 70 years, 
or 80 if we have the strength. Yet the best of them are only hard work and sorrow, for they have soon gone and we fly away. Now I realize that for some of you, 70 or 80 years is a long time off. But I'm already at the 70 mark. <laughs> you know, and Grandma's past that. I don't know how old Grandma is. 84. So, you know, we're past that. You know, we're in that, that era. So time is more precious to you. Tell everybody life's like a roll of toilet paper. The beginning of the roll, it seems to last forever. But the closer you get to the end, that thing just really rolls off there like nothing. You don't believe that? You be in there when the roll's hardly got anything on it, and you don't, and you got need some, and there's only this much on it. <laughs> so I'm I'm nearing the end of my roll. I don't know how much time I got. I might might live outlive all of you. We have no guarantees in this world. I can remember when I was young that I thought 40 was old. Man, do people actually live to be 40? Yeah, they do. Now I'm wondering how much past 70 am I going to live? I'm held together with bailing wire and metal, so I don't know. I could be dead for a week and still be upright. <laughs> Hopefully Randy would notice it before a week. But <laughs> he, might, he, he might think I ate beans the night before that I didn't know he didn't know about, and I just stunk. I, I stinketh. <laughs> so age is relative to where you're at. You know, for a parent who has teenagers and they're out in the car, they are in love. You know how teenagers are. And they're out there and they're talking for, for hours and it just seems like a blink of an eye. But for the parents looking through the window... It seems like an eternity, because they don't know what's going on out there. Of course, I wouldn't know, because I'd be out there. What you doing? <laughs> Talking? Okay, can I talk? Get in the back seat. <laughs> we monitored our kids a lot. I mean, we followed them around. We did all kinds of things, and they hated us for it. But I, we were called to be a parent, so it was okay. Psalm 39, 4, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. A few years ago, People Magazine published an um, article uh, called, titled Dead Ahead, and it was talking about a clock that you could program to know how many days you had left in your life. You would program whether you're a man or a woman, and they'd take the average of 75 for a man and 85 or 80 for a woman, and you program in there, and every day you could see how many days you had left. I don't think I'd be a fan of that. I mean, it might make you change things in your life. I don't know. But I think it'd be a good gag gift <laughs> for somebody. You know, I heard the, the story of a little kid that went to the, or a young guy that went to the wedding, a wedding, and the, the old grandma was telling him, you're next. So the kid decided, I'm going to get even. So when he went to the funeral, he told the old woman, you're next. <laughs> <laughs> so, but time is relevant, relevant to where we're at in our lives. Now, God does, does tell us the number of our days, but I don't think that's what he meant. 
Now, I've officiated over funerals for the elderly and for a baby that lived an hour. Now, that one, that one was the hardest one I've ever done. But at least you knew where that one went, where the baby went. Of course, the elderly ones, most of the elderly ones that I've done, I know where they went too. But, you know, we're, we have no guarantees. You might think, because I'm not 75 or 80 years old, I'm okay. But you could die tomorrow. Or you could die today. There's no guarantees. There's nowhere in this world or in God's word that guarantees this one day. All we have is right now. So we have to live our life in the right now. That's what God wants us to do. Ephesians 5, 16 says, Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now this world we live in is evil. But it's getting better, I think. I think that uh, this year was one of the best holidays that I've experienced because we were allowed to say Merry Christmas. Didn't you like that? Didn't have to beg the people to say Merry Christmas. They just did it. They didn't have to worry about being sued for something, so they said Merry Christmas. They had permission. I like that. So it was a nice Christmas season, one that we needed, and it changed the whole environment of the season. And Christmas is always a good time of year. The holidays, you know, from Christmas, before Christmas, from Thanksgiving to New Year's, it's a good time. People turn into human beings. They actually do. They may run you down to get that last one of those things you're trying to get for your kid, but uh, generally, people are nicer during that time of the year. And if we could just carry that spirit of Christmas through the New Year, it would be okay. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? If people were human beings all year round, and you could go in the store and people would be polite and, you know, say, hi, how you doing? Have a nice day. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, well, we can pray that, pray for that. But we can start a revolution by doing it ourselves. You see somebody grumpy looking and whatever, walking out, say, hi, how you doing? Have a good day or whatever. Because that might be the only good thing that happens to them that day. And we don't know what every person that we pass in a store or on the street is going through. I know it's hard when we're driving and some idiot drives out in front of you. And you have to slam on your brakes or whatever, and you want to you want to give them a, a salute, but you can't because you got a bumper sticker on your car that says "Jesus loves you" or something. <laughs> I tell Randy, drive up really fast by him, and I'll give him the look. <laughs> Everybody know what the look is. Only mothers have the look. <laughs> the kids know when they see the look, they're in trouble. So the second thing we need to learn that is every day is an opportunity to be better and do better. And the choice is ours. We can choose to look at all the negatives and all the things that are going on in this world, or we can choose to be better. We can choose to be the person that's going to smile, and we can choose to be the person that doesn't uh, give the, the people a salute on the highway. Because how many times do we do that and we don't know about it? You ought to be glad God saved me. I pulled people out of their cars for that. Pull them out in front of me and make me slam on the brakes and get in the gear shift in my brother's side. I followed them down, pulled her out of the car and beat her up. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? <laughs> I'm not. 
I was in high school. You know, I asked my kids, and people didn't mess with me. I, you know, I looked mean, and I had a reputation, and I said, all you got to do is beat up one person when you're young, and it follows you your whole life. <laughs> but I didn't tolerate anything from anybody. And I could back it up. And I backed it up a lot of times in my life. Now, that isn't a good thing, but it just lets you know that God changed me, so you're safe out in the parking lot. <laughs> so, anyway... But uh, John 10.10 says, The robber comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came so that you might have life and a great full life. See, God's will is for us to have a great life, to have life and not only a life, but a great life. That's God's will for our life. And if we're not having that, we need to have a conversation with God and ask him why we aren't. But be prepared for the answer. Because in order to have a great life that God wants for us, there are some things that he wants out of us. Some things that we may have to quit doing and some other things we may have to start doing. But God's will is for us to have a great life. To marry the great person, the great guy or the great girl. To raise wonderful kids. That's God's plan. And we need to be listening to him a little more careful. But Satan tries to rob us of the most precious possession we have, and that's time. I know I've told you many, many times, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. No one on their deathbed has ever said, I wish I'd have spent more time at work, or I wish I'd have spent more time earning money to leave to my kids. It's always, I wish I'd have spent more time with my family. Because time is the most important possession we have. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, how much money you have, that's the most precious possession you have. There are people in this world that would give you a million dollars for a year of your life. And there are people that would sell a year of their life for it. But time is the most precious commodity that we have. And the only one that we can control. The only one. And God gave us to that, gave us time not to waste it on sinning. Now I have a I spent a whole life wasting my life on sinning. Now some wasted our time on getting drunk and doing drugs and out partying all night. Others waste their time sleeping around. Others play watching TV, playing video games and all, all kinds of other things. And I'm not saying, well, you're sleeping around and getting drunk and the drugs is wrong. <laughs> but I'm not saying you can't watch TV. I'm not saying you can't play video games. I'm just saying they can't rule your life. TV is the babysitter of our children today. And video games are the babysitters. And we have no control what they're indoctrinating them with. California just voted that their parents cannot opt out of of sensitivity training for gays. Used to be you could opt your kids out of something, like sexual education or something. Well, you have to, they're forcing parents to make their kids go into this sensitivity training and teach them how to respect gay people. Amen. And that they're, they're okay, their lives are just different, but it's okay if, it, if it's just a little different. 
Did you ever think in your life you would hear anything like that? Now, if I was a parent, I guarantee you my kid would not be there at that training. I guarantee it. I may be in jail, but they wouldn't be in it that day. But I never thought I'd live to see the day. But we can't control what they program into those TVs. And if your kid is watching TV, watch it with them. Be sure and know what they're watching and what they're hearing. The music they listen to. And this gang rap stuff, if your kids are listening to that, rip it out of their earphones or their headphones and throw it away. There's nothing good that can happen to that. Talking about killing and all kinds of stuff like it's fun. Why is murder up? Because all this gang rap and talks about it. Oh, let's go get a gun and let's go shoot somebody. Oh, it'd be fun. That's the world we live in. So we as parents have a harder job than we used to have because we have all these conveniences, but all these things that are robbing time and robbing the innocence of our children. Children were more mature when I grew up than they are now. And there's no the reason that is is because the kids don't have any responsibilities. I had responsibilities as a kid. From the time I could do dishes, I did dishes. I had to stand on a stool. No dishwasher. We didn't have dishwashers. We had party line telephone. We had to share. And after you're on there for a long time, they say, hey, we got to use the phone. You got to hang up. And you've got about three people that you're sharing that phone with. Can you imagine that today? Our kids have cell phones. Who are their friends? You need to know who your kids' friends are and what they do when they're not with you. If that means follow them, follow them. I followed my kids everywhere. Not every day, but I followed them. They said there's going to be somewhere. I followed there. And I set out, sat down the street from that house and made sure they stayed there. In the winter cold, I sat there with the car not running and made sure they were there. After two hours, I left. But I made sure. It takes effort to do that. But if you want your kids to, uh, to turn out the way that you need to, we have to know what they're doing. Of course, we need to pray for them, first and foremost. <clears throat> and remember that Satan knows us better than anybody. And he knows what our weaknesses are. And he knows what it's going to take to draw you away from God. And he knows what's gonna, what it takes to draw your kids away from God. But when your kids grow up, they wanna, you want your kids to say, my parents loved me enough to discipline me and verify what I was doing. That's the best gift you can leave your kids. When we live in a world where parents don't care, we end up with the world we have. And the only way we're going to change it is through our children. I did the best I could. All my kids are pay, pay taxes, and they worked for a living. All of them. They didn't end up in jail or prison. <laughs> you know, And that's by the glory of God. Because you have to know what they're doing. And the best thing you can do is show your love for them. T-I-M-E. We spend every weekend with our kids up the mountain. And I don't know what would have happened if it hadn't been for the mountain. We, I, I don't know. But we forced us to be a family. And we had so much fun up there. They hated it. And they griped and complained for the, the two hours it took us to get there. And then they had them all while I was there. But we had to suffer through the two hours each direction. And as parents, we have to be willing to do that. And now we listen to them, we get together, and what do they talk about? 
That's the foremost thing that they remember. Steal the flag. All night long we played steal the flag until the sun went up. That was fun. We had fun. That was when I was younger, when I could dive through a fire, could, could nab somebody that's trying to steal our flag. Oh, aren't you glad you didn't know me back then? I, I'd show you doing tumbling and stuff like that. Yeah. But now, now I'd, it wouldn't be pretty. <coughs> so it's not just sin that demands our time. Sometimes it's good stuff that demands our time. And sometimes we have to say no to the good things, too. Because sometimes people say, well, I'm doing good stuff, so it's okay. It's not okay when that doing that good stuff is not is prevents you from spending time with God or prevents you from spending time in God's word. Then the good stuff is just as bad as the bad stuff. And Satan knows that, too. So we have to understand that Satan wants to rob us of our time. Now, Jesus went to the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and he sat down to teach. Now, Martha, Martha, Mary was sitting at his feet. And Martha gets upset because Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, and she's in there fixing dinner. And she gets mad. So she goes out and tells Jesus about it. And in Luke 10, 40 to 43, this is what Jesus says. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. Martha, Martha, Jesus answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. She thought she was going to get Jesus on her side. Now, it wasn't a sin for Martha to be in the kitchen fixing dinner. It was something that needed to be done. But it wasn't that important that she needed to, to do that instead of what Jesus was doing, teaching. Then her sister would have bowed and probably gladly went and helped her. But man, I'll tell you, she got so upset about doing the things that she forgot God's in the living room. And we do the same thing. We get so wrapped up with our lives, we forget to get the, where God is. Where's God in whatever it is I'm doing? We're so busy today. And they did the same thing back then. There's nothing new under heaven. It's just more modernized. They had the same sins that we have today. We just have more opportunity for it than they did. We have more things that, that uh, rob us of our time. They didn't have the TV at night to distract them. So they had to sit around and be a family. They had to sit around and learn about God. They had to sit around and, and learn about God's word and read God's word. Or the had to be memorized. They didn't have the Bible at their house. I did marriage counseling this past week, and everybody that I did, you know, that I talked to, I tell them you need to spend time together. You need to read God's word. The best thing that you can do is to start reading before you go to bed, or at dinner table, or whatever's convenient. Do something because this, and then talk about what you read. I don't care whether it's a, a few verses or a chapter; it doesn't matter. I says, not only that, well, well, you get God's word into your heart, but it opened lines of communication because you learn to talk to each other about things. And, you know, he wasn't a church person. And uh, I, after, after I talked to him about all these things, because he said that some people, you know, like, like restaurants, religions are like restaurants. You just choose which one you like. Well, that ain't what God's word says. So I had to do it in a kind manner, steering to what God says. And then he says, you know, that makes sense. 
See, people will listen if we do it in a way that we aren't condemning them or beating them over the head with the Bible. They'll do it. And he says, you know, that's a good idea. I think we're going to do that. Start reading God's Word. Let's go and start in John. And do it every night before you go to bed. I says, and pray before you go to sleep. May the last thing you do be is say, pray. I don't care what it said. Pray, God, help me to be a good father. Help me to be a good husband. Help me to be a leader of our home. Whatever it is. And then the last thing, you just tell your wife you love her or your husband that you love him. May that be the things that go through your mind because the last thing we have or hear or see before we go to sleep is what is mulled over in our dreams and our subconscious. Put it in there and God will do what he wants to do with it. He'll put it in that corner where it's needed. So we need to do those kind of things. The major medical problems of our time are anxiety and stress. We're overloaded with commitments. We don't know if we're coming or going. We're overloaded with possessions. Our closets are full. Our garages are so full we can't park our cars in them. We have to rent storage containers to store more stuff. We go into debt to pay for things we think we can't live without. Then we're afraid someone will steal what we have. We get up early, go to a job we hate because it pays more than a job we would like because we have to pay for all our stuff we can't live without. The internet is a super highway of information we can't possibly absorb, yet we spend hours on it. We can't go anywhere without our phones because we're afraid we might miss a call or a text or an email. People actually go back for their phones, and they'll go back 30 miles in a 35-minute journey (laughs) because they are just tethered to that. And I understand that. You know, I don't like to leave without my phone because you never, you know, like Randy says, if it's an emergency, they'll call back. And you know, at night, if someone dies, why do you want to be woken up knowing someone dies? Then you're going to sleep the rest of the night. Sleep a good night and then find out in the morning. (laughs) Now, you can do what you want, but but we're so tethered to, to electronics got to be have our Game Boys. We've got to have the DVDs and the cards and our iPads and all kinds of stuff. My granddaughter is really terrible. She's got her own phone and her own iPad. That's my great-granddaughter. She's 10. And I think, man, talk about spoiled. Wait till she gets up there and her nana and her papa aren't there. Then the reality of living in Oregon is really going to hit the fan. Nana, I want to come home. And then they'll be crying. She's already crying when they left. Because <laughs> she's had her her whole life. Her daughter lived with her her whole life, you know, for 10 years. And she took her to school, bought her, bought her everything she needed. And, of course, they had, had more money than she had, than her mom had. So it's going to be a real rude awakening for her. And I'm glad it's her and not me. But anyway... There are 8,760 hours in a year. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? But the only hours that go fast are the hours that you're home. The hours at work are forever, aren't they? Unless you really love your job. And I never had a job, no matter how much I liked it, that I would rather be there than home. Do any of you have a job you'd rather be at work than home? If so, let me know what it is. I'll, I'll go sign up. Seems like a lot, but it isn't. 
12 months of the year, 365 days, it seems like a lot when you're looking forward to it. When we look back at the year, it seemed like it was just, last week we were here talking about New Year's, a week ago. It goes by so fast. Ephesians 5.17 says, Do not be foolish. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now, the third thing we can learn for the new year is what God wants us, wants us to do. We need to learn his will. Now, most of the, a lot of stuff we need to know about God's will is in here. But we have to read it to find out what it is. So we need, you know, and if we do that, then it'll be amazing. And I tell, told my future grandson that uh, things, you know, the Big Ten we know about, everybody knows that. I says, but the other things in life God has to tell us individually. Some of them are, of course, oh, of course, you know, we shouldn't be doing that. But that other things, things are sin to him that isn't going to be a sin to me and vice versa. Because God isn't a one-size-fits-all. He has a different program, different plan for every one of our lives. And we have to know him to know what it is. And he has the best plan in, for our lives. Irregardless of how old we are, God has a plan for my life, as old as I am. He has a plan for Grandma's life, as old as she is. It doesn't matter. God's plan doesn't stop just because we get a year older. And God's plan doesn't change. He had a plan from you before the foundation of the world. He invested a plan in your life. And he has a will for you and a purpose. And when we fulfill his purpose in our life, we're happy. Happiness isn't uh, a result of stuff. We think it is. That's why we try to accumulate so much of it. Stuff doesn't cause happiness. If it does, why do so many rich people commit suicide? Why are they so unhappy? Why can't they stay married for longer than a year? If stuff answers everything. It's because it doesn't, and there's something missing in their life, and they try to fill it up with drugs and alcohol and partying and buying stuff and having the big fancy million-dollar houses. But they can't because there's only a hole in our heart that only God can fill. And that's the reality of us. He didn't create us complete. He created us with a little emptiness in our heart so we'd reach out to him. And only with God in our lives are we complete. And only with God in our lives are we happy. That's why Christians, when bad things happen, they can still smile. They don't have to go out and get drunk and all this other kind of stuff to forget their problems. Because God lives in their heart. That's the life I want. And when problems happen and people under can't say, man, how can they even function with all this stuff that happened in their life? They get a sliver, and man, I'll tell you, the whole world is falling apart. And yet here's that person that lost, had a great loss, and they're, okay, how is that? It's God. God makes the difference. And when we understand that, then we want to seek his will, because he's the only one that has the perfect plan for us. <clears throat> we need to establish priorities in the new year. I'm assuming that most of you consider church important or you wouldn't be here today. So church is important. People say, I don't need to go to church to have religion. No, you can have, go anywhere you want to have religion, but God wants a relationship. And part of that relationship is being with his family. 
And we need family. We cannot live this life without family. We need to compliment and help each other and pray for each other. God has that plan, and he told us that. So people say they don't need to go to church to be saved. That's true. But you need to go to church to grow and to get stronger and to be able to have a family that you can be and you can be yourself and you don't have to worry about what people think of you. It's a safe place. I hope this is a safe place for you. If it isn't, you come to me, and I'll do my best to make sure that it is. Because you should be able to come to this church and feel safe and secure. Don't worry about what people think of you and, and what you're doing in your life. Oh, don't get close to them. They did this and this and this last week. Well, who cares what they did? Just pray for them. Instead of complaining about somebody, pray for them. Amen. That does more good than all the other kind of stuff that we can possibly do. I want to pray for people. And so we need to do that. And we need to establish priorities where God stands in our life. God has to be first. If God isn't first in your life, you're going to have problems. But when God's first in our lives, it's amazing how much time we have for everything else. And then after that, we come with our family. Our family comes second. I know people, uh, it's hard for pastors sometimes because the, the church sometimes pushes the family into a different position. But family is the second most important thing in your life. If you're married, it's your husband or your wife. Before your children. Amen. Your children come after your husband and wife, period. And if you are, you are putting your kids ahead of that, you need to change that. Because when you do it God's way, it works. When you don't, it doesn't work. Your family will never, ever be, be the way that it should be as long as you're trying to get, screw up the foundation of it. But your spouse needs to come second, then your kids, and then church. When you do it in that order, it works. When you don't, it won't work. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you give your kids, whatever. And I told uh, my future son-in-law, I said, the best thing you can do for Lacey and for Bug, glorious, call her Bug, is to love her and to show affection to her, to let her know it's okay. And that's the way a kid will feel secure in the family. And I know that not everybody's married, and that's okay. God will fill those voids if we let him. There's people in here that could fill a void for someone that doesn't have a mom or a dad. There's people that can fill that void. Of course, we have to know that it's welcome, and we have to know that uh, you want it. <laughs> so... If there's everything that we need, we can find here because we're secure. We don't have to worry about it. <coughs> our relationship with God is the most important thing to it. It affects our uh, decisions, it affects scheduling, it affects relationships with others, and our whole outlook on life. God can give us a good outlook on life if we allow him to. We need to schedule time each day to pray and read his word. It's important. We need to pray for our family, ourselves, People around us, we need to pray for our church, our pastors, leadership, missionaries, and our nation. If you're not praying for this nation, shame on you. Because this world is in turmoil. And we need a strong nation under God. We also need to spend time with our family. Every husband needs to spend a have a long time with his wife. Without cell phones, without beepers, and without whatever. If you got kids, get a babysitter. I'm sure that you have loved ones or family that will watch your kids for an hour or two. 
but you need to spend time together. When kids come into a relationship, it puts extra pressure on the, on the relationship. It's hard. But you need time to stay acquainted with each other. It isn't, you know, if you don't, your kids are going to be growing up and gone one day and you aren't going to know what to do with your time. There's so many people that get divorced after they've raised their kids and they're empty nesters because they have nothing to do with their life because they don't know each other. That person that they've been married to for 40 years or 50 years, they don't know. And why don't they know them? Because they never spent any time together. Wherever they were at, it was kids, 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 kids. You gotta have time, you gotta have that special time to be together, to be alone, whether it's in a restaurant or at home, whatever's more convenient, just so you can sit and eat together and talk without any interruptions, because that's important. Now, most of us have to work, and Christians should be good workers. We need to put in a good day's work for a good day's pay. May not be enough pay, but we still need to do the best that we can. Christians should be the best workers that they have anywhere in the world. Because I believe that, that's, that that is pleasing to God, and God and Lord told us to honor him even in the marketplace. Yeah, I don't care how bad your boss is. Don't matter what a jerk he is, that doesn't give you an excuse not to be a good worker. You should pray for him. Maybe he'll change. If he don't change, you will, one or the other. The two greatest enemies of time are regrets for things we did in the past and anxiety about what will happen to us in the future. That's the way we spend our lives. And I know it's fun to talk about the good old days, and there's a time and a place for that, but we can't live there. We have to live in the present. Because that's why it's called the present. We put presents under our tree. Well, we have a present, and we have to live in the present. We have to be thankful for the present and plan for the future. If you don't plan for the future, it's going to be there before you know it, and you're going to think, man, I'll tell you. Where'd the time go? You have to plan for it. You need to, um, I told my future son-in-law, you need to work, you need to save some, you need to give some. So it doesn't matter where you give it, give it to a church, give it to a charity, or whatever, because God gets his tithes. He gets them through flat tires, he gets them through uh, worn out furniture, through broken down appliances. God gets his tithes, so you might as well give it to him, otherwise he's going to take it. And it's the most inconvenient time that it gets taken. Middle of the winter and the furnace goes out. Now I'm not saying those things don't happen to people that pay their tithes, because they do but they're not as devastated by it. If your furnace goes out, go to some place where somebody that has heat until you get it fixed. <laughs> and mom and dad are going, oh, not to my house. I'll pay to get it fixed. <laughs> Either way, you win. <laughs> and we spend all of our time wishing for the future. And I did it with my kids. You know, when you're young, you think, man, I wish I was old enough out of school and I'd get a job. Man, I want to get a job. Then I went to college. Man, I'll be glad when I get out of college. Then I'll be glad when I get married because then my life will be so much better. <laughs> then you think, oh, man, I wish I had some kids because everybody, all my friends have kids and they are so cute. And they are cute, but I'm, they're not cute in the middle of the night and they're throwing up on you and, and you're changing their diaper and the stuff hits the, hits the wall. That isn't cute. Get one diaper on, clay changed, and another one needs to be changed. And it's not 
all roses, people. <laughs> and you, like I said, you spend the first two years on sleep deprivation. You need just to get time together so you can sleep. <laughs> then your kids, you think, oh, man, I'll be glad when they sleep through the night. Or I'm glad when they're potty trained. Oh, I'm glad when they go to school. Then it's I'm glad when they get out of school. Then it's I'll be glad when they're gone. <laughs> That's the way we spend our lives as parents, isn't it? Now be honest with me. I did that a lot, especially on the bad days. Oh, man, I'll be glad these kids could grow up and have their own lives. And the mother's curse works, mothers. Tell them I hope you get a kid just like you because it works. Now they're happy I had my daughter. Please remove the curse. Please remove the curse. I remember my, grand, my grandkids when they were up at this um, Dutch John, this place up by Lake, I don't know what reservoir it is, can't think, my mind just went blank. But uh, they were up there, and they went over to the neighbor's house, and uh, the, the, the mother of that house came over and told, told Christy that her kids had been over there. And the kids were talking about, what were you doing over there? Oh, we was fishing. We caught three fish, and they gutted them. So they gutted their, the, the fish in their aquarium. <laughs> and I was laughing so hard I could hardly stand it. <laughs> she didn't laugh. She didn't think it was funny. And that's just one of many times, grandparents, when, it, when they have kids, that's when we get our revenge. We get to laugh, and we get to have a good time at their problems. So the mother's curse works, so make sure you pass it on. But life is what happens to us while we're planning to do something else. Isn't it? You know, they say if you want to hear God laugh, make plans. And then he laughs really loud, because I'll tell you, that ain't going to work, so you have want to try and round up our plans with his. Another year is almost gone and a new year is before us. During the new year, may you have enough happiness to keep you sweet, Sweet, enough trials to keep you strong, enough sorrow to keep you human, enough hope to keep you happy, enough failure to keep you humble, enough success to keep you eager, enough friends to give you comfort, enough wealth to meet your needs, enough enthusiasm to make you look forward to tomorrow, and enough determination to make each day better than the day before. Lord, help each one of us to use the 8,600 hours whatever it is, that we have in this New Year's. 365 days are before us. Maybe all of us will be here next year. Maybe we won't. I don't know. I can't promise that to any of you because age is no respecter of person. But I hope that this New Year, your number one priority will be God. Amen. Then your family. Then church. But put make sure church is in there. You want a good foundation of a home? That's it. That's a three-legged stool. Remove one of those legs and you're in trouble. You're going to have problems because all those things have to be there. And if you're just a teenager and you don't have your own family, you still have your family. You still have your mom. You still have your dad, hopefully. So they're part of that family. So build a relationship with them. And one day when you're 30, you'll really like them and they can be friends. If you're a little kid... Life sucks sometimes. That's the reality of it. Life sucks. It still sucks some days for me. Is there anyone here that hasn't had a day in this past year that didn't suck? Anybody? Uh, I've had a day that it, that it sucked. 
and I don't want any more days that suck. But the reality is there's going to be some down the road because God needs to keep us humble, right? <laughs> and sometimes it's the only time we pray is when we have problems. So we've got to pray more so we don't have as many problems. 